0: of the church bibles or 1869 of the large print bibles at the back over there and it's from philippians chapter 4 beginning at verse 4 rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things this is the word of the lord
1: thank you ben i'm delighted that angie green is going to be speaking to us this morning for those of you who don't know angie she is a member of our church family here she's married to chris and they have poppy and thomas Um, And Angie is speaking on anxiety, as I mentioned earlier, and I know that this is a topic that is very close to her um, heart. And um, she has a really interesting background for those of you that don't know. She has a mix. She um, has got pharmacy in the mix. Um, psychology and also teaching. And she's currently a teacher um, at a primary school. So I think that sort of mix will um, brings a great um, experience and insight into the topic of anxiety. So um, I don't mean that as a pressure, Andy, um, but we are really um, excited to hear from you. So why don't you come up and um, I'd love to pray for you before we start. So, Father, I want to pray for Angie that you would just fill her with your spirit now. I pray you'd take um, the words and thoughts and insights she's prepared and that we would hear them as you intend us to hear them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Bex.
2: <laughs> Thank you. It is so great to be here this morning. Um, I needed that worship this morning. I think sometimes you can come to church and you actually can just feel distracted. I, I did come to church feeling distracted this morning and it was just so good to be with you all to worship together, so thank you, Nay, and the band. Um, I was on the phone with a close friend a few months ago and I was sharing with her that we were going to be exploring mental health issues at church. And I said to her that I was, um, I was asked to speak and um, and uh, I said I was going to be speaking on the topic of anxiety, and she went, oh, yeah, Ange, yeah, you've got loads of material on that. That's not going to be a problem. And um, I think she's right. I do. I do have a lot of material. In all honesty, um, many things have made and can make me feel anxious. Um, just to give you a few examples. Um, I used to wipe my children's mouths till they were practically red sore when they had just eaten Nutella, worried that some might transfer to some other child in the class who could have an anaphylactic reaction, and yeah. Um, when I'm driving in the car, I actually can strangely experience extended periods of time when I envisage a crash. I I can see deaths, I can see court cases, I can see prison sentences. This all happens in a very short space of time. When... um, um, I've also went through, with the children, um, first things. So whenever Pops and Tom were at an ice skating rink, literally, I could barely look at them. I was like, oh, stop, stop. My friend was like, you need to get a grip. But I reassured her, get a grip is not in the Bible, so it must be a normal response, right? Okay. So anyway, I don't know. Um, What's important, I guess, with all of these things is that they happened in complete silence. Um, All around, all the world around me was completely oblivious. I don't know whether you can relate to any of those things or maybe to a tiny little bit or one of those things or can relate to anxiety as a whole. But in the process of preparing for this talk, um, I've realized that something that I'd actually forgotten, I'm actually quite an anxious person. That may seem odd to you given what I've just told you. But I think perhaps that even for me, I have become uh, desensitized or... Used to um, suppressing feelings of anxiety, so that's something that I've discovered for myself in this process. Um, So, firstly, how do we know? How do we know that God doesn't want our lives to be run with worry? The answer is these four words in the verse, um, verse um, six of this passage: Do not be anxious. I wonder if I could just ask, if there are any young people um, in the congregation, if you can have a Bible in front of you, and for everyone else as well, that would be awesome, because we're going to look really closely at these three verses in particular, verses six, actually two, six and seven, and then we'll look at eight near the end. So it's on page 1180, just to remind you. So we, we know that God doesn't want our lives to be overrun. Because of these four words, do not... Be anxious. And we learned from Kate last week, if you were here, that one in four people suffer with mental health problems in their life. And I don't know about you, but I think it's really, really good that we are talking about these openly in churches. Do you agree? Great, great. Um, because I, I don't know, maybe like, um, like me, you are struggling or you have struggled in silence before. Or not silence. Um, for me, anxiety comes in waves and troughs. I experienced a wave of anxiety about six months ago, after a relatively worry-free period. In fact, it was just the time I was asked to do this talk. The irony was not lost to me, honestly. And um, Suffice to say, my first point. Anxiety is miserable. Anxiety is miserable. So, let's first have a look at what is anxiety. Importantly, not all worry is bad. Worry performs actually a protective function in our bodies. In fact, a little anxiety is good. Our brains have a radar-like element that scans for possible danger. In fact, according to the Bible, anxiety is often legitimate. The word indicates, first of all, that anxiety is a sense of concern for self and for others. In fact, even on speaking on the worries of life, life, Jesus is simply stating, in this world, there are concerns that each individual will have to attend to. However, and this is a big however, a lot of anxiety makes it difficult to live life to the full, I think. A lot of anxiety makes it difficult to take productive action. We move into what could be called fight, flight, and in my case, freezing. Toxic anxiety, we could term, is like the mental alarm system that never turns off. So indeed, what we're thinking about here is we want to, we would love to experience freedom more freedom from that problematic worry, that persistent, ongoing worry that steals our freedom, joy, and peace. So, anxiety is really common. Anxiety is normal. It can present as mild, moderate, severe, along a massive spectrum. And although I'm not going to be addressing these um, things today, I want to acknowledge medical intervention, because I know that medical intervention will have played a really important and significant part in many people's recovery, possibly here this morning. And I believe that practices like CBT and other techniques really work beautifully in tandem with these verses. But I won't be exploring those today. My time is limited. So, how could you describe anxiety? Well, anxiety for me is that feeling that keeps me awake at 3 a.m. because I've said something two years ago, and um, I can't get over it to someone. Anxiety is that paralyzing fear of what if. What if Poppy and Tom get sick? What if that lump is malignant? What if my husband leaves me? It's the fear that something we dread will possibly happen. If you're anxious, you can be full of dread, tepidation, trepidation, and fear. I might question, what could possibly go wrong? My anxiety would reply, I'm glad you've asked. <laughs> Will Vanderhart, he's a pastoral chaplain at HTV, identifies two types of worry. Solvable worry, which can be addressed with simple actions. Have I left the oven on? Go and check. What if I sleep in? Set a second alarm. Get the idea? The second is a little bit more difficult. It's called floating worry. Let me give you a few examples. That person seemed off with me. Have I said something to offend them? I have a headache. I've had three now in the past month. This could be something serious. Floating worry is a bit more tricky because In actual fact, there may be no real problem to solve. Family lives, work pressures, personal situations, all these things, I think, contribute to the pain and uncertainty we experience in life. We are bombarded, all of us, with so many solvable and floating worries. But we've said before, it's not God's will that we face every day with dread and trepidation, right? These four words, do not be anxious. They're going to be the focus of our talk tonight um, this morning. I think they'll be familiar for lots of you, but I don't think they're that easy, at least not for me. So my first point was, anxiety is miserable. My second point is, how can we deal with anxiety? Well, Paul offers us help in this passage. I want to set the scene a little. If anyone had a reason to be anxious, Paul did. He's 60 years old. He's in chains in prison. He's experienced beatings, shipwreck, illness. He's awaiting trial. Emperor Nero is killing Christians. And I think Paul might be at the top of the list. How can he say these words? It almost seems incomprehensible. Let's read verses six to seven. Thank you, Annika. I thought it'd be really good if we could read these together. Okay, I'll start, this could be, go all very wrong. Do not be anxious but and anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love these verses because we see here Paul's not just telling us what to do, but how to do it. That's really important. And anxiety is, if we can put verse six back up, anxiety is the clear theme here, right up front and central. Do not be anxious. So it's number one. Verse six begins with do not be anxious, and the rest of that is about prayer. So we have anxiety and then prayer. And then verse 7, well, that's all about peace. So Paul is trying to connect these three things, anxiety, prayer, and peace. What is the relationship between these three things? I don't know about you, but um, being told what to do just doesn't work for me. Trying to suppress anything results in the exact opposite, I think. Don't think of a green leprechaun I say no more. When we read this again, though, we see that Paul's not just saying don't be, don't be anxious, he adds but, and he suggests the alternative don't be anxious, but pray. Don't be anxious, but pray. And it's not just that, there's another little word that's really important here and. Because, full on the encouragement to pray, Peace comes, and peace is the fruit of the prayer. And not just that, there's more. Peace has an effect on our anxiety. Can you see the circle? Look at this. If we go to the next verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what will the peace guard our hearts and minds from? Anybody? Anxiety, exactly. Okay, Um, the first verse of Proverbs 12, 25 said this, anxiety weighs down the heart. Anxiety weighs down the heart. On the other hand, its effect on our minds is slightly different. Poppy was at New Wine a few years back and she got very sick. We had to take her to hospital. And in the hospital bedroom, Um, I frantically was Googling all the symptoms in a vain attempt to predict every possible outcome, to prepare for any scenario. That was a mind in serious overdrive. Minds, when they dwell on anxiety, go into overdrive. So let's just sum up that relationship from this verse. John Piper says this, prayer brings God's peace which literally guards, like a garrison, our hearts and our minds from anxiety. Boy, do we need this. Prayer is intended to be the means. Prayer is intended to be the means by which anxiety can be overcome. It's both key to peace and freedom from worry. So, we've looked at how anxiety can be miserable. We've talked about how it can be um, dealt with. But how does prayer work here? We can't miss the words, in everything. Can we go back to that little verse? Thank you so much. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every. Here Paul is exhorting us to worry about nothing and instead to pray about everything. And he uses three words. He uses prayer, which is general prayer. We can see that there. He uses petition, and this refers to asking for help. And then, he specifically says requests, which are the specifics. The King James Version speaks of making known our requests to God. So God wants us to tell us what he already knows. But why is that important? I think in telling God what he already knows, sharing our deepest, most intimate concerns, we are bringing God and ourselves together. Philip Yancey likens it to the kind of intimacy intimacy that happens when a husband apologizes to his wife about something they both know about. He's not bringing her information, he's bringing her his humble self, his heart. So when we go to, get, uh, go to God with our concerns, God gets our attention, our devotion, our soul. He gets our trust. I think that prayer, making requests to God, is trust spoken word. I want to ask you a question, but first, I wonder if you remember the story of blind Bartimaeus begging by the side of the road in Mark 10. Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? But first of all, my question is this. Have you prayed about it? Have I prayed about it? The worry that's stealing my joy, the concern that keeps me up at night. Have I prayed about it? The habit that I can't break, perhaps a troubled marriage, a broken relationship your job that's bleeding you dry. Have I prayed about it? Have we prayed about it? Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? And he wants Bartimaeus to articulate a particular request because you see a specific specific prayer is a very serious prayer and it gives God the chance to show off. And I think he's standing with us this morning and he's saying, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? God wants us to take those requests to him. That's our part. The rest is his responsibility. Similarly, in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, we know this verse well. Peter exhorts us to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And I think that's so, so important. Do we know this morning that God really cares about our anxious hearts? At school pickup, Tom often just comes flying towards me out of the classroom and he flings his rucksack full of books, illegal transformer toys and fidget spinners and borrowed pieces of multilink from the class and, you know, runs off But it kind of reminds me of how God wants us to come running to him, to dump, cast, throw our burdens at his feet, knowing that our heavenly father wants to carry them for us. He never intends for us to carry our burdens. That's his job. He loves to do that for us. You know, at its heart, worry is really a pointless pursuit for impossible certainty, as we've seen in the news this week, so many tragedies, there's so much in life we cannot control, and it can be excruciatingly painful. But there is one area, there is one area that verse eight speaks to, that we actually do have some control over, our thoughts. So let's look at verse eight now, Annika, thanks so much. Can we read this together? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I grew up in potato famine country, and every year at potato harvest, we would spend every day bent double in the fields gathering spuds from the soil and dropping them into sacks and we learned how to work fast selecting the good potatoes the firm and white ones but the rotten ones or the small green ones we just learned to you know to let fall through our fingers back into the soil to be trodden on underfoot. And as I said, we don't have control with many things in our life, but we do exert some control over the things we choose to think about. And like the potatoes I gathered, I get to determine which thoughts I select, which thoughts I choose. And those I don't, I can put them underfoot. I think we know, I know deeply, that my thoughts have consequences. Proverbs 23 says this, As he thinks, in his heart, he is. And I think that healing can begin with our healthy thinking. Anxiety and fear are like those rotten or green potatoes. They shouldn't make the cut. They're no good for us. But I don't know about you, they can wriggle in so easily, can't they? But here's the good part. God can help us with the power of his spirit to direct our thoughts. Andrew Murray says this, the power of prayer depends almost entirely upon our apprehension of who it is we want to speak to. Tom fell off the monkey bars a few months ago and the screams were, well, um, horrendous. And we met, he ran, he was running towards us, kind of dangling an arm. And we quickly rushed him to casualty and he wanted, he chose Chris to go into the casualty room with him. And um, he, they came out together, and I just said to Chris, so, you know, what, what's the verdict? What did it look like? And Chris was, you know, straight down the line. It's good. The arms, you know, really straight. All looks good. Within a minute, gathered um, in the nurse's office, a nurse peeked around the corner. Oh, sorry, it's bad news. Two broken bones. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. Um, So I guess it really does matter who we're taking our problem to. The person probably needs to be qualified. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Don't give up your day job, Chris. Um, He needs to be qualified. Um, And I just want you to know today that when you cry out to God, um, whether it's in pain or in need, you have an audience with Jehovah Shalom, the Lord of Peace. When you cry over an answered prayer, it is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides, that catches them. When you dare to whisper in the dark the worries that choke the living daylights out of you, it is the hands of Elohim, the creator of the world that bears them. And when you are weary and exhausted and defeated, it is El Shaddai the Lord Almighty that holds you up. When we pray, right here, God is with us right now. Emmanuel. I like the story of Mary and Martha. Jesus is staying with Martha and her sister, Mary. Mary's not that happy. Well, sorry, no, Martha's not that happy. Mary's doing great. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. It's debatable whether that literally meant she was sitting at his feet. But either way, Martha is upset and worried. She's doing all the work. And Jesus says this, Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We are worried, but only one thing is needed. This story is actually about being close to Jesus. The one thing that we can do in our worries is to choose to be close to Jesus. Like Martha My worries can keep me upset in the kitchen instead of sitting at Jesus' feet. John Ortberg says it like this. The single most powerful thing I can do to combat worry is to kind of use it as a prickly reminder to come and sit at Jesus' feet to bring all my concerns, my worries and place them at his feet. It's a bit like that anxiety peace exchange thing, isn't it? Again, we give him what he wants to carry, and in exchange, we get his peace. Just to um, kind of finish. We've looked at pain being a bit miserable, haven't we? We've looked at how we can deal with anxiety, and we've looked at what we can and can't control. A lot of circumstances we can't control, but we can control our thoughts. As I mentioned to you um, at the beginning, about six months ago, I struggled with anxiety. It hung over my head like a dark cloud. I just couldn't shake it. It was rather persuasive, pervasive rather. My mum and dad christened me Angela Joy. I've always felt or desired with God, that that would be a prophetic name, but I felt that my life and my name were wholly disconnected. Emotionally, I was done. Mentally, I was drained. Spiritually, I felt dead, and physically, I smiled. I had a picture one night um, in bed. I was standing in an ocean, and a wave would come and push me over. And just as I would stand up again, another would come and knock me back down again. I actually didn't feel like myself anymore. I felt that every area of my life was broken in some way. Was there any area, Lord, is there any area that's working right? Is there any area that's going well? I think that anxiety can cause havoc, actually, with our personalities. That's been my experience. I knew that my worries were robbing me of the person that God wanted me to be and doing the things that he had called me to do. And I know that Jesus wants each and every one of us here this morning to live life to the full. God desires that wherever he places us, community, family, work, That we were designed and made to bear fruit. That is what God has ordained for us. Anxiety serves, I think, the opposite. It caused me to retreat. It caused me to hide. And I went into what you could call a bit of a lockdown. Radio silence from Angie. Where are you? I'm at work. I sensed, even in that time, a hesitation to trust God. I mean, was I out of my mind? But I think we come out of hiding because of the love that calls us. And I heard his call one night. I love you, Angie, I love you. I love you and I wonder, if this morning, if there are any of you that perhaps are in the midst of your worries, that you feel a hesitation to trust Jesus for whatever reasons, I just want to encourage you to remind you that he loves you, that he is always calling you back home. Come back under my wings, under my feathers. Cast all your cares on me, he says. Sit at my feet. A friend challenged me to talk about it, and I did. And a few close friends have played a huge part in supporting me in my journey. In recent months, I've pretty much come forward for prayer most weeks. And without exception, I've gone away encouraged. I don't know but perhaps there's a tendency to expect, maybe even in the church more so, an instant cure for anxiety. Don't get me wrong, I completely believe in the power of Holy Spirit and where he blows, no one knows. Bring it on, you know what I mean? But for me, the journey has been a bit longer. But that's okay. The journey has served to deepen my trust in him his love for me, his presence, and his provision. I still believe and pray for miraculous healing, fervently, openly, honestly. But I think God actually allows answers in the deep, not the shallows of our souls. God's in the business of healing our hearts, I believe. He has healed mine in so many different ways, I can't tell you. And we can be confident he is involved in your process, in my process, always. There's a little verse just before, I think it's verse 6, the three words. Yep, so the one before. The Lord is near. It's the context for this do not be anxious. The Lord is near. Emmanuel, God is with us. So in conclusion, prayer is a place where we get to deposit our anxiety. With God, bit by bit, we defeat our anxiety by telling him our worries, casting them on him to carry, and in exchange, he gives us his peace that guards our hearts. The great challenge for us, perhaps, is to trust God more and more. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to join you in that because I don't think there's any human being on this planet that does not struggle in one shape or form with anxiety. So wherever you are this morning with worries, know that the Lord is near. We are all going to be gloriously and eternally okay. That we can guarantee. The cross will never lose its power for you. Christ is your victory. Corey ten Boom says, Worry does not rid tomorrow of its sorrows, but it does rob today of its joys. How many more nights will sleep be disturbed by my anxiety? How much more joy will it still know? God named me Angela Joy, and I want my joy back. Thank you.
1: so much, Andy. Um